Welcome to Previously Learned Podcast with myself, James Shaw. Unfortunately, my co-host, Michael McLaughlin, couldn't join me on this time. But um, if you listen closely, my dog, George, does make an appearance towards the end. So apologies for that. On this episode, I was joined by award-winning director and screenwriter, Matt Mitchell. Please check out the podcast notes to see a list of Matt's films. Matt is also running a kickboxing defence class, which is how I first got to meet him. Again, details and links are in the podcast notes, so please check those out. I really enjoyed this chat. Matt is an incredibly positive individual, and it was great talking to him. I hope you find the chat as rewarding as I did. So without further ado, light, camera, and chat. So award-winning director and screenwriter, Matt Mitchell, welcome to the Previously Learned podcast. How are you? I almost spat my coffee out. <laughs> you sure uh, it's coffee? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, how are you, mate? I'm good. Long time no see. How's things with you? Um, all right, all right. Ticking over. I know that we're supposed to like our value is and uh, our, our value is in being busy, isn't it? And always seeming busy, and you're always busy, and you're always doing stuff. But I've done fuck all today. I've sworn. That's I've cool. already sworn. I've already sworn. I'm so that's, sorry. That's right. that's, we've got carte blanche to fucking swear. It's great. So there that's we fine. go. We've we both got one each now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah. I've been happily doing bugger all today, uh, and then and literally in the last sort of half an hour or so, I had to, I had to bash out a little bit of work. But yeah, well, it's busy being busy, isn't it? So busy sake. <laughs> so, so listen, it's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, it's, it's now, lovely to be here. It's very, very cool of you to ask me on. I'm, no, it's, it's my absolute privilege. <laughs> So doing a bit of research on you before uh, before inviting. Hey, you look! I needed the money. Those pictures are. I was young. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. They are. They're, they're also they're above eye line, so everything looks small. So yeah. didn't um, need Photoshop in either. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, it wasn't the pictures I was going to talk about. We can come on to those if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, found a couple of comments on you, right? Mm. And uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote them. This should be funny. Well, I don't know. It's a, Matt is a talented writing director. Could not ask for anyone more committed, patient, hardworking, or talented, except your t- attempts at dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the, the second one, nothing but a pleasure to work with. Uh, where is he? Conducts himself with intelligence, grace, and humour. And to be perfectly honest, I can't disagree with those comments. They're absolutely spot on. I'm like, no, honestly, to a T, they are, they are you. I mean, like, I, I reckon I've known you. Now, I worked out recently. I reckon I've known you for about 12, 13 years. Bloody hell, has it been that long? Yeah, I used to have hair when I first met you. Right? <laughs> but I can honestly say, I think you're probably the most optimistic and upbeat person I know. So my first oh, question is, how the bloody hell do you stay so positive? <laughs> oh that's very lovely of you thank you um <clears throat> yeah I, you know what it is it, it is a weird one i i actually get that a lot um excuse me sorry not people singing my praises those those quotes that you got, <laughs> i paid for um but uh which is which is why the, the english is so broken but um the uh, yeah, staying up a bit. I mean, I, I like everyone. Um, everyone, everyone has uh, ups and downs and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I honestly, honestly attribute um, managing to stay upbeat um, to martial arts mm-hmm. uh, in in general, um, and uh, being lucky enough to to train in martial arts my whole life because uh, yeah. there's nothing funnier. Like, I mean, you know, you stub your toe or something. And you, when you're in the house on your own, you really have to like laugh at it because yeah. someone's not trying to punch me in the face or strangle me to death or, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's bigger than me and, and everyone's better than me, younger than me and more athletic than me. Um, but I'm still here training. So uh, having having done that my whole life, um, everything else just seems easy. Really? Perfectly honest, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, and and also like, it's, it's not like the training is is incredibly hard mm. it's more that it's i'm just sort of grateful to be able to do it it's yeah. so much fun and it's so so silly to be able to do um and uh, and, and it is i mean it's hard it's hard for me because i'm old and rubbish but um but yeah i just i just i think i just attribute um 
that upbeat nature to, to martial arts. So what age did you start martial arts then? Was it? Um, I was uh, 14, I think. Yeah. So was that 611 years ago? All right. Uh, and um, yeah, I was uh, I was working in a library. I was working a Saturday job in a library mm-hmm. um, and uh, my mum was a librarian uh, and uh, it was a different library. Uh, I just happened to have a different library, but I, but I was interested in martial arts and <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I was looking at the martial arts books. Yeah. I was like, I should probably start doing the martial arts because I'm a 14 year old, you know, yeah. seven stone weekly. Um so I was looking at martial arts books and there was a guy next to me and being a mouthy little idiot, um, uh, I said to him, I'm thinking of starting a martial art up. Uh, and the guy next to me said, I'm a martial arts instructor. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, grab me here. And he pointed to his chest. And so I grabbed his chest. And he put me in a wrist lock in the middle of the library in Swanley. And um, I've never looked back since. It was absolutely hilarious. And it was brilliant. And that was that was he became my teacher for the next like 20 years maybe yeah maybe no less than that maybe 16 years something yeah. 15 years yeah uh, and i i was i was the kid who carried the bags into class mm-hmm. uh, and back out of class and then i was the kid get all had all the demos done on him um yeah. by by i i i dive trained with all sorts i mercenaries sas special forces yeah. uh, police special police response um uh housewives yeah. five-year-olds like just you know every, every every type of human being i've i've uh, uh people in wheelchairs people yeah. with no arms uh blind yeah. people people with mental health disorders mm-hmm. uh like the the whole gamut um and uh Every single one of them's been fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to come on to. I mean, that's how I met you. I'm like, so I tried to lose a bit of puppy fat. <laughs> married those years ago. So uh, unfortunately, uh, I've still got a puppy fat. Despite what <laughs> how you dare you? You were born perfect. You've been that way. Well, no, I, I, yeah, I was comfortable. I think it was, uh, I was well fed. So uh, yeah, I was going to come on to the, the, the kickboxing. So I'm, I used to love it. Even like coming into the actual class and music alone, you could tell straight away it was uh, very, very well. No, but it's very welcoming. You know, there's no there's no egos in there. It was just you just walk in and it's absolutely brilliant. Bloody hard work, you know, but it was it was great fun. Though. It was a couple of hours and it's like absolutely awesome stuff. But yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, I, I do. I it's, the classes are still the same. It still should be like mm. a welcoming, like fun atmosphere. Uh, I think. I think that's that's why people come back. Yeah. Um, I try and create an atmosphere where that's easy to learn in for adults. And the best way we learn, I think, is through play. And so I try and keep everything really, really light. And um, I mean, you know, I'm guiding the class, but to a certain extent, it's a bit of a a. a it's guided play essentially yeah. Yeah, it's really what it is and um yes then there's a bell structure and there are techniques and there's right ways of doing, doing things and wrong ways of doing things but everyone's a little bit different so there's there's always a little bit of leeway for stuff um so yeah i, I try and try and keep it keep it hilarious and i've and i've i've done a plenty of martial arts classes over the years and i've got two black belts and um i'm fairly fairly confident and uh, and I've walked into classes and been like, oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Everyone here is super serious and they're all wearing pyjamas. What the oh, I'm going to get beaten up. Ooh. When you dig down, everyone's all right, usually. Yeah. Um, but so I, I try and not let that be the first thing people walk into. No, I think you've got it spot on. As I say, you walked in. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's lovely to hear, but- mate. That gets me as well, though. I mean, right, so you've got that character, you've got the welcoming atmosphere, and then I say about your films, you know, it's, it's almost like a bit of a, a juxtaposed position with you. I'm like, <laughs> so, but it's, uh, so your, your film's like a horror genre, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I as as an, as an audience member, I like sci-fi horror. <clears throat> so, I mean, I say that, but my favourite film is Jaws. So, uh, like, I, I I grew up watching, you know, Star Wars, uh, Aliens, um, Tremors, um, uh, Jaws, uh, all these sort of weird blockbusters. And um, I don't know if you call Tremors a blockbuster, actually. Hold on, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Bacon probably would. But anyway, um, 
but uh, excuse me <clears throat> sci-fi horror is my is my preferred genre but all of those films come with an element of of of, of comedy like there's always there's always an element of comedy in, in every story you'll ever you'll ever hear um there, there has to be sort of ebb, ebb and flow of tone and that tone will ebb and flow through through comedy and horror and also some of the time some the timing of of how you construct horror and how you construct jokes is is very similar as well sorry yeah. just drink. i'm so sorry um so for example a, a a jump scare that you that you create um uh in in a horror film is created by having a tension build so you have a start point tension build so let's say someone's walking down a corridor towards a door um as they walk down to the door uh, you build a load of music up you build a load of atmosphere up oh again close to the door close to the door close to the door we're almost at the door and then you drop all the sound away apart from interstitial sound apart from stuff that is that is um uh the sound that would actually be there uh and so you lose all the atmos effects you lose all the musical effects to nothing and then as you reach for the door then you have someone appear over the shoulder and you have a bat sort of a jump scare noise and that's how we're at, how a jump scare is created in the editing room as well as when you're shooting it um a joke is the similar it's a, it's essentially tension and release um with a jump scare it's the build it's the drop and then it's the jump scare noise it's a one two three but if you would so it's the same when you have a joke joke construction is the same it's all about the beats mm, yeah essentially um and you can you can divide those beats up as much as you yeah. want um but they really just come down to three uh, and the same if you're if you're writing like i'm i'm writing at the moment uh a, another feature and um we start that by cutting it into three you go beginning middle and end first act second act third act then you cut those acts into three again so the first act has three acts the second has three the the last act has three acts and then those 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 acts then move around the pages a little bit you know in terms of um how many pages are each act and each act of each act but yeah. to a certain extent they're just threes of threes you end up with uh with nine beats yeah, no. Oh, sorry, so boring. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's just not. stop me. No, I, I, remember, I mean, I remember reading um, "Save the Cat." Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got. Uh, are you recording this soon? Yeah. See that on that that right? One. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you got your straight board, right? Save the yeah. cat on the on the yeah. on the chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the it's the same number of beats. Yeah. It's the same number of beats. There's it's, nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. It works, right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, I find it absolutely fascinating. What? I really do. I'm like, it's a, it's you know, there's only so many stories in the world, but you can you can you can manipulate it in any way you want in different genres, mm. whatever. But I find it yeah. absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's um, yeah, it's a weird one. I, f I find I find the save the cat um, uh, structure only really useful in in the first initial stages of plotting mm. out um so we'll, we'll tend to i write with um with mother half vicky at the moment and yeah. until she until she figures out she's better than me and uh <laughs> just goes on to a, an, a meteoric career uh but i'll hold them i'll hold her back as long as i can um but yeah the 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 save the cat structure we only really use at the start when we're breaking the idea um and then once we've got it broken, we'll tend to put it into a. I, I tend to use a um a, a way of structuring the story that I stole from novel writing, which is to take um like in novel writing you can you can take your um uh, take your chapters and just have a line per chapter. Yeah. Uh, and so say you've got a you got like a ninety thousand page novel or something. Um, you can break that down into into just nine. And then yeah. into ninety, and yeah. each each line is 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 a page or a beat, and each one of those ninety is your ninety minutes of a film. Yeah. So I'll just take an Excel spreadsheet and I'll write out each minute of the film. And sometimes there's big gaps where you're yeah. like car oh, chase, it's <laughs> a long like, chase scene. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah, and there's a really short one that says love scene, but there we go. Maybe it's half a page. Right? Um, but uh, yeah, you just write one to ninety down a page, and then you just. Yeah. 
Michigan. So the Save the Cat structure has been really useful for getting the, the first image, the opening image and the final image down and then getting like some of the substructure for the for the three acts down. But then after that, we just write it. You just sort of have it all in the back of your head. And we're all so used to consuming stories mm-hmm. and, and to a certain extent telling stories as well that it's really, it just comes so naturally. So I mean, I, that's what I was going to ask. Where, 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 I, mean, I used to do a bit of stand-up comedy, mm. and I used to literally sleep with a notepad by my bed, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd write something down. I thought it'd be quite funny if I woke up at like two, three o'clock in the morning, write it down, woke up the next day, I'd read it, and I thought, that's either good or not, and if it wasn't good, <laughs> I'd get rid of it. But then I got to stand and write that I've actually written at that time of <laughs> yeah. night in the dark. But, uh, of course. <laughs> pen ink all over Laura or whatever like that. But, but, you know, but it's... <laughs> but but where, where do you get your inspiration from from for a story you know it's uh, just, well just... yeah that's a good question um i think i think it comes down to things that you like so i'll, I'll usually try and uh, tell stories that i'd want to hear mm-hmm. um I, I i never try and never try and tell a story that has a message i think those things naturally those things naturally come out if the story is if the story is right because all of the underlying like meta themes that that we should be talking about which is you know as in do as you would be done by and try not to stab your neighbor uh, uh, all of those things just come out naturally in these stories and um so i try and steer clear of that kind of stuff and i try and tell stories that i like and um, I try and tell stories that make me cry uh, and so those and those kind of stories for me are not stories that are sad but usually moments of heroism um, I, I love the idea of uh, uh, of someone picking a bus up to save a relative that, those those kind of everyday heroism is the kind of stuff that that uh, gets me right in a kicker um, so those are usually the things that I try and weave into those stories of, 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 of in, in some way um, in terms of the where the ideas come from, it really depends on on who's paying. Um, like anything, like no one's going to employ me to write a romantic comedy. Well, I mean, I say that I've got one coming up, but um, no one's going to pay me off right to write a romantic comedy. Yeah. At the moment, I'm being paid to write the kind of stuff that I want to see, which is um, uh, at the moment it's sci-fi horror, mm-hmm. uh, and that's through um, a, a couple of production companies that. Uh, that I've only now just managed to sort of get paid work through. Like I've been, I've been working as a filmmaker for years, and years, <laughs> uh, and so I've made my own features, I've written my own features, yeah. um, but those those have now led me to a very sort of comfortable um, the start. Hopefully, yeah. touching wood of a comfortable career writing as well as directing. Yeah. So um, is that something you always wanted to do? Is, is that a yeah. from an early age? Yeah. I, I I went to I went to uni and studied um, a, a course called time based media because I was too rubbish to get on a film course. <laughs> <laughs> Filmmaking courses didn't didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, at, at my level of rubbishness um, around here. So I, I did time-based media, which is basically filmmaking, making, or basically right. any media based on time. Uh, yeah. So it could be radio, it could have been um, theatre, could have been uh, TV, anything. And uh, I studied that at uni. And uh, I think out of all the people who graduated from from that that class, I only really know about three or four of us who are still in the industry. Really? Because it's, it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, yeah. If you want to have a, a nine to five and, and, and all the rest of it, it's not a gig for you. And a lot of that's, and that's what a lot of people are comfortable with is, is a nine to yeah. five. If however, you can make a living from getting punched in the head yeah. uh, and get, make half a living from getting punched in the heart as a filmmaker, then maybe you're onto a winner. Life's too short. You got to do. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I tried the office job. I, I, I tried, I tried, I tried, I did try, I did try. I was, I worked in a, a production company up in London, London bridge for, uh, for maybe six or seven years. Um, mm. And I was making good money, but my heart wasn't in it, man. Yeah. Well, I think it gets to a point, you know, when it's like, uh, no, yeah. to you. Yeah, you, I think you, you should get to the point where you where you're just like, mm, I'm either going to be here forever, mm-hmm. or I'm going to kill someone here and end up in jail forever. Yeah. <laughs> so like, maybe I should just play arms, you know? Yeah, make it easy for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs>
So when you do a fee, right, as I said earlier, you're, you're award-winning. Um, All. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, you're award-winning. It's obviously, how, how, people review the films. How, how do you deal with the review? Do you read the reviews? Do you take... Um, oh, my you know, God. First, uh, much better now. Yeah, I remember my first my first feature, Gangsters, Guns and Zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, no prizes for guessing what that's about. Um, is that the, the rom com? That's the rom com. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight porn. It's just straight porn. Um, not, what am I talking about? There's nothing straight about my porn. Um, Gangsters, Guns and Zombies. Yeah. Uh, that was the first first feature, and um, that that was oh god, it was ridiculous. We made it for like peanuts and um it was the first film first feature we'd made we only made shorts and music videos up until then that's myself and my business partner and uh we finished it but because we ran out of money halfway our finished version and the film should be 90 minutes long our finished version was 60 minutes long we were missing 30 minutes of film in the meantime, while we've been edit- while while I've been editing the film together, I managed to get like a trailer put together uh, and got that sent to a friend of mine that I'd worked with at that production company I was talking about earlier, and I knew he had something to do with um, something to do with uh, 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 film financing and with distribution. I didn't know what. Uh, anyway, I got the trailer to him, and he said do you mind if I send this to a friend of mine in LA who's a sales agent? And I said, no, I don't mind that. Fuck me. Bit his hand off. So he sends the trailer off and the sales sales agent comes back and says, this is great fun. We want to buy it. Um, Can you send it over? We're going to start selling it at Cannes this year. And, And we said, yeah, of course, no problem. When do you need it? And they said, we need it like, next week and we said we can't get it finished next week but we can get finished in like a couple of months because obviously we didn't tell them that we still were missing 30 minutes of footage so we we lied essentially and and then uh we signed it signed a thing and then we started shooting more footage i i wrote another end to the movie uh we got everyone back who was on the crew who could give some time to it over weekends uh we found uh, free locations that we could shoot in or had already shot in that we could reuse again and we just did like this ultra and what it's a no we did a no budget end of the movie um yeah. and spliced that into what we already had and to our i think really to everyone's surprise what we finished with was a co- coherent 90 minute yeah. zombie movie um which but now I look back now, it's utterly ridiculous to have done. Um, like if someone was doing it now, I'd say to them, stop, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. This is nuts. Yeah. But we were just like, we we were the Titanic. We were just going. <laughs> this is iceberg at the end. Everyone's saying, don't, don't go towards the iceberg. Yeah. We've like, we got to hit that iceberg, right? They're like, don't hit the iceberg. We're like, iceberg? Yeah, we got it. Don't worry. So it was like that. And then yeah. we got it dragged across the finish line by hook and by crook. And that first film um we poured so much of it as of ourselves into we had we had the means of production so we had cameras and we had the skill and the talent to make it produced but we'd never actually distributed anything and it got distributed worldwide like worldwide it made yeah. i have got some numbers for you it made over five hundred thousand dollars worldwide just on its first round of sales so since first round of sales that's not now after 10 years first round of sales it sold the sales agent sold it for five hundred thousand dollars worldwide we saw 300 quid what we saw 300 quid 300 quid we got boned absolutely destroyed on the deal absolutely how does that work i didn't know what we're doing and also Hate hate to to let everyone know this but filmmakers of low budget films you make no money you make no money. That's just absolutely oh, insane. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it like the the sales agent, for example, had like a flat twenty five grand fee for um, just for taking the film, and that fee comes out of the what the food makes, and then it, that that all those fees they just go on and on and on, and then the sales yeah. agent like sell it to gets it, and everyone get everyone gets a cut until you've got nothing. Um, so yeah, that was fun. But I mean, our, our plan was never to really make any money on the film. 
Mm. Plan was just to get the film made to prove we could make, make a film. So then someone would say, "Okay, here's some money, make another one," and then we would slowly increase the budgets throughout the films to to end up paying ourselves. Mm. And that's that's what what we did. So it 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 did what it was supposed to do, which was to get us going and prove and prove that we had the means of production and we could get somebody distributed. And because we poured so much of ourselves into it, um, it when it when it went out and got sent worldwide people started watching it and yeah it had it was an advert it was it was distributed by Lionsgate in the UK mm-hmm. E1 in America all over the world these big distributors it was there were interviews with me and in, in stuff there were there were um adverts it was on Xbox live at the time yeah. it's on it got onto Netflix at one point I mean it's still on Amazon Prime right now but because it was so well distributed and because there was a lot of press behind it everyone thought it was a million million dollar movie yeah but you see it and it looks like it's 15 grand yeah. <laughs> like i mean it's a good 15 grand don't get me yeah. wrong but so it's literally it made on 15 grand uh, well yeah well we actually made it on eight grand we need to, we borrowed yeah. another borrowed the rest of the money to finish the film for 15 jeez yeah. anyway the people would watch it and then they would be on Twitter. People would put on Twitter, go, what, just watch Gangster Guns and Zombies. Lots of fun, but I can't believe they used fake blood in some of the scenes. What a load of bollocks. I don't like to use real blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and what they meant is they meant like VFX blood. Yeah. Like, rather than rather than practical yeah. VFX. Yeah. I mean, we had practical VFX for some of it, but we couldn't afford practical VFX for all of it. So, and I, I would go on Twitter and go, hi, guys, thanks for watching the movie. We couldn't use it because... And I'd start explaining myself like yeah. a moron to these people who didn't care. And invariably, yeah. once you actually speak to people, they go, oh, no, no, I loved it. No, I understand. I get that now. But if you do that 100 times, mm. it gets really weird. <laughs> so I'm much, much better now with the films um, and with generally people watching them or feedback. Like, for example, I... I lecture at um, at university on filmmaking, and one of one of the the lectures that I do regularly is an introduction to who I am as a filmmaker uh, for the for the first years on the course. So I've invariably got like a room of 80, 18 year olds, um, and uh, one of the things I do while while chatting about my films is I'll bring them up on on Amazon, and then I'll go through the reviews. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll go through the reviews and yeah it's really oh it's a, it's a really fun it's like having a bit it's a really funny bit it's a good yeah. like it's a good eight eight to ten minutes of of back and forth and of like I get sometimes the kids put reviews on for me yeah. like they'll, they'll give it three stars out of five and I'm like why three stars <laughs> oh, give me five what you do yeah. so it's, it's a really fun fun bit to do but it is it, it the reason I do it is I I try and I'm trying to break down the walls between the people making it and and the people who are consuming it and show them a little bit of uh, of the human beings behind the screens that they essentially want to be there. They're a filmmaking course. They want to be writing yeah. and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun bit to do. So I'm much better at it now than I was Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in at a very long answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's absolutely, I can't believe it. Was that the question? Did you no, just ask oh. what the time was? We like, no, what's but... the time? I was like, I'm glad we started our. Anyway, DGZ, it all began when I was five. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's a wrong Zoom call, this one. No, but I can't believe it. But you know, half a million and to get £300 out of it. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Oh, oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Oh, and then the company that the, the sales agent, they went bankrupt. Hmm. So they they closed down and went bankrupt. Um, they took uh, this was this was a great eye opener for 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 me. I said I didn't know nothing about money and bankruptcy and stuff like that. I mean, I was an idiot. I'm still an idiot. But they went bankrupt, and we got a a, a, a like a, a a folder in the post from LA mm. from from the sales agent and or the sales agents mm, liquidators I, I guess and it had a list of everything they owed to everyone and how they how those people would be paid back and we were like opening the opening this envelope we were like there's 500 grand we will best be on that list so i opened this envelope and we start looking through this wad of a4 paper and the wad of a4 paper is just lines and lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of people they owed money to and it started on like six million dollars 
and then and then you go through it and like 50 the thing's 100 pages long and on page 89 there's us for with 400 grand or 450 grand 500 grand left and then there's after us it goes all the way down to the people who, who supplied the office supplies who are owed 50 dollars or something and i was just like oh, we're never seeing this money we're never seeing it that's that but um, the insane thing behind it is it's your film it's your idea without oh, yeah. you these yeah. guys never would have had it in the first place. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, it. I sort of shrug my shoulders and go, ah, well, it's low budget filmmaking, which is sort of what everyone does. Um, and but there's 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 sort of two camps uh, to it, to a certain, as far as I can see, to a certain extent, where there's there's people like me who who now are older and wiser and go, ah, sort of just how it goes, really. Um, you can't compete with the big boys, and that's that. And then there's another camp who are just like. <clears throat> now you've produced the film oh like don't give it to a sales agent do all the sales agent work yourself do all the marketing yourself get it on netflix yourself do all this yourself and that's that's all all well and good and and, yeah. and very true that that would be great if if by the end of that marathon you had enough in you to, to run another marathon that, what, do you know what i was going to ask a question is filmmaking taught you any life lessons and i think there's a bloody um, in there, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I think. I think with any, with anything, um, <clears throat> a lot of life lessons come come from looking back on the way you handled things yeah. and the things you did, and go and going, oh Jesus, I should never do that. Uh, or seeing yourself from a, having moments of clarity about mm. what you did, and go, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done that. You know, and. Yeah, it's easy to look back with sort of rose tinted goggles on stuff, but um, a, a lot of the life lessons from 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 filmmaking are for me about um, being able to step away from. Excuse me, being able to step away from uh, uh, um, people managing and being able to step away from the. Uh, uh, intricacies of of rewriting a script while you're shooting something and the idiosyncrasies of the way that you uh that you think things should should be presented to an audience whereas if you can step back from that with a bit of experience you can see a slightly wider picture of where the film's going and what what audiences are getting out of it and, and then also how much of a, a a joy and a privilege it is to to be able to to do these things like i i, I remember being um on um on my latest on the last film which is the risen tour for the facility and we myself and, and claire my business partner at the time we we were sort of in a warehouse in kent having these enormous enormous sets built and there's scaffolding up and the sets are being built around us. And I legged down at one end of the warehouse and got up on one bit on a bit of the scaffolding so I could see the whole warehouse. And just having five minutes to sit there and take in mm. the ridiculousness of the whole yeah. thing. Like this, this the ridiculousness of all this stuff being built and being painted and being made to look real uh for uh, for a story that you that you're gonna tell that that you wrote on a laptop, you know, three yeah, years how, ago or something. But how good is that that you've done that? Then that's given enjoyment to so many people that then watch that film. Yeah, well, this this that's that's a good point. Even even the people. This is this is a, another uh, way I look at any criticism of the films or any work or any work of art is even the people who are criticizing it. And I say this to sometimes the kids while I'm because I, I show them short films. I talk about their work, talk about my work, and e even even when people are actively disliking something there's a there's someone watches an emotional scene uh, of a film and actively sits back and crosses their arms and is like i'd never i wouldn't do anything like that i'd never that wouldn't or happen or like anytime anyone's distancing themselves 
even they're getting something out of the experience of watching the film, even they're getting something, they're getting to, to distance themselves from an emotion that is clearly painful for them. They're getting to, they're getting to run through an imaginary um, uh, problem that they might face in their life and say to themselves, I'd never do that. I wouldn't do that. And like, even the people complaining about the films are getting something from it. And even if that's the enjoyment of complaining about them, the yeah. joy of being able to sit back and go, I wouldn't use VFX blood. That's rubbish. <laughs> even the joy of saying that is something that they're getting out of it. And so that's really how, how I, I look at that. Uh, our previous work I, I hope not to look at future work like that <laughs> hopefully no, 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 no. it'll be something else but um hopefully the problems will be i can't believe megan fox was in it uh, but you know, I, yeah. how, how, how do you define success in filmmaking is it is it box office numbers or is it awards or critically acclaimed by the critics you know the, the reviews or yeah, i have no idea because it's very subjective know. right yeah it's it's really subjective i think I think it comes down to how you how you define success in any in any mm. endeavor really it's the same like how do you define exist as a success as a bank manager mm. it's like well i don't know it's like, well, are you happy i guess like, are you happy like do you want to carry on doing it you know yeah. is, is this fulfilling is this is is this what you want to carry on doing um because we should be you know human beings not human doings so yeah you yeah, should be being something and if i'm if i'm willing to carry on doing this thing right now and carry on being what i am then maybe it's the right thing to do i love that i'm going to use that actually human being rather than human doing this <laughs> no, it's, i mean like that that kind of probably fits so, in. No, I, I found i mean like we've got something in common we both um we both lost our parents at a fairly young age and I've, I hope you don't mind me talking about this. No, thing. no, no, of course. I'm sitting here and my mother and father's urns are on the mantelpiece just ahead yeah. of me. Yeah, no, it's a, well, I've, I've got my mum and dad are in the garden. So That's <laughs> under a couple wow. of flower pots, but we moved recently and they weighed a bloody ton. But, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> dad hadn't died at that point. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I might have to edit that bit out, but um, it's, <laughs> no, it's, I, I found with um, losing my parents, it, literally overnight, my outlook on life changed. It was, mm. I certainly become, I, I've become more selfish, but for the family rather than myself. And yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you do stuff at work and it's like, well, no, I want to go and see my son at a play now, or I want to go and take yeah. my daughter to this. And yeah that then become a number one priority and yeah not that they weren't in the first place but it is then mm. my being now and yeah. it's my family's my i just i don't know but it's funny i'm like I've, my, it's the anniversary of my dad on next week actually uh, my mum's coming mm. up soon as well and it's it's weird that you never kind of get over it i, I don't think i've actually dealt with it you know it's yeah. i processed it Yes, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, but I've, I'm not. I, I, I found for me personally, the worst was obviously the day it happened, then telling the kids, and then the funerals. Mm. Then everything else after that, whatever throws at me at life now, I'm, I, nothing's going to be as worse than that. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to be as bad as that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's. It's funny. It's oh, I say funny. Funny is not the right word, obviously. And it's, it's just it's it's a it's a it's a life event, isn't it? <laughs> and I was kind of sheltered from it before. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. I think yeah, we probably we both were. Um, but yeah, it is is a life event, isn't it? And it feels mm. like a bit of a uh, like you say a like a turning point. Mm. Uh, and it does. I think it does change your priorities. I've, I've been. It's, it's interesting you should talk about this. I, I have been uh, trying to like. Um, I, 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 I spent a little bit of time uh, trying to work out after mum and dad died mm. why I was okay. Because I, I, I have the have had the 
the correct amount, the correct social uh, amount of of uh, distress and and sadness mm. uh, and and everything uh, during the during the funerals and leading up to and then dealing with with uh, the death admin that you that yeah. no one knows you have to deal with until yeah. you have to deal with two dead parents yeah. and suddenly you're you're faced with a load of ad, admin and i thankfully have had have um an incredible sister um big sister uh who helped me with that and then also other family members that who i hadn't spoken to for years yeah. suddenly were there going matt here's what you need to do Mm-hmm. And, and and helping and after all that during during that to a certain extent but after all that i've been trying to figure out why i'm okay mm. and um and i tell you actually not even before that sorry my when my mum passed away she was in an uh an eleanor uh, charity hospice Eleanor were incredible they were absolutely brilliant and if anyone listening has a chance to throw some money at them in in a charity in a, in a tempian or charity box somewhere do it because they're incredible they made her last uh week or so just bearable and mine too but one of the things they did is when she passed away they uh, I, i'm there trying to find out what's happened and all the rest of it and they took me into a little side room and they said just wait here for just two two minutes they gave me like a little drink of sweet tea or something i'm like sitting there going what the fuck and then a woman comes in and she she says i'm the counselor um for do you do you want to talk about this and do you need some counseling on it and i was like no Mm. And that was that was I I honestly think everyone should get some counselling. Mm. Everyone should have counselling. It's fantastic. But there was a I know it sounds this isn't the thing you're supposed to say, but right then I didn't need any. Yeah. Right then I just needed to to get going and start talking to my family members and yeah. and start moving and 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 I, I felt like uh like if a shark stops stops swimming it drowns. Yeah. Yeah. I felt a little bit like that and um probably since then I've been trying to figure out why I was and have been okay and I honestly believe it's because your parents' job mm. is to make sure you as as that as their child can walk the road alone yeah they can't walk it for you yeah can't walk the road for our children. And I find this with martial arts, with training the kids when they have to go and fight. I say kids, they're in their 20s. I'm like 45, so they're all kids to me. But I can't get in the ring with them, so I have to prepare them. Mm. No matter how hard that is, the training should all be always be worse than the fight is, is, mm-hmm. is a term, uh, an eternal phrase. And I honestly believe that's the same thing when you're being yeah. brought up is your parents that our job as parents and teachers is to prepare the youth for the road ahead we can't walk it with them we prepare them to walk it alone if they're lucky they walk it with someone but whenever when push comes to shove we're the only set of footprints it's not jesus carrying us we're carrying jesus so (laughs) so the 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 honest thing i believe is that my parents prepared me to walk that road and that's what I take comfort in. I take comfort in those weird um, lessons and life lessons that they taught me. I can't even remember the yeah. one in the back of my head when I was four or something. I don't know. You know, the the having to get up on my own, but then the unconditional love and mm-hmm. cherishment of a child after you get up and the praise of, of, of getting up on your own. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we learn and that we take with us and we yeah. hopefully pass on whether we have whether we have kids or not. Yeah, no, d- 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 that resonates so much. I mean, I, it's yeah, I um. So with my with my mum and dad, so my mum had cancer. Mm. Uh, it's it's incurable, but it's manageable. Right. So she had right. cancer. They got on top of it. Right. Literally just got on top of it. She said, right, and it's coming up to Christmas time. And she said, right, I'm going to go down, get my hair and nails done, get out for Christmas and stuff like that. So she went out. Rather selfishly, my dad then had a heart attack and died all of a sudden, right? Oh, my God. When she's down the shops. You know? Oh, God. So <clears throat> she then come back to that, then, you, you know, whatever. 
then a couple of months later, her cancer then comes back. Mm. Then from nowhere, it comes back. Then, you know, Christmas after, we then lost my mum. I think what you're saying about walking the path was exactly that. I think it got to the point where my mum had given up the fight, mm. where she knew, but not because she gave up the fight, but she knew that my brother not and I, and we, we, were, we were good. We we're in a good place ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. she didn't need to worry about us anymore. Yeah. My brother lives in Australia. I live over here. I've got Laura. I've got the kids. Yeah. She knew we were in a good place. Yeah. And it kind of just... And now she's in a good place. Yeah. No, yeah, but it's exactly what you said. You know, it's, I felt it it, it tore me apart losing mum and dad. Absolutely Mm. tore me apart. Yeah. But I had to be all right because I've got kids to look after. Yes. So I had my, but even small things, you know, Monty used to do rugby on Sunday morning. My mum died late on Saturday night. I was coaching rugby on a Sunday morning. I still went coaching. Mental, isn't it? So I couldn't, I, I didn't want him to know. Life had to carry on for him. Yeah, and I, yeah. He was too young to, yeah. So there I rocked up on a Sunday morning coaching rugby with the kids as life is normal. No one, none the wise of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not other people's problem, right? Do you know what I mean? But I know people want to help, whatever, but it's like. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's you have to. What what else are you gonna do? Exactly. What else are you gonna do? Yeah, no one else needs to suffer because I am. You know. And and what what would your mum and dad want you to do? Yeah. What are you What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to be walking the streets, beating yourself with a thing, wearing Mm. black? What are you? What? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Which I is, carry the fuck on. Yeah. That's what they want you to do. Yeah, and live life. Yeah, and you this want me to look after their grandchildren. Exactly, exactly. And this is this is why I set up this podcast up for that exact reason. So you know, you're saying about the life lessons and stuff. You'd hopefully it'd be naturally they'd be absorbing stuff, but I only know what I know. And to be honest, it's not always worth knowing what I know. But but if I can speak to other people, and hopefully one day they might turn this laptop on one day and hear this conversation and think, yeah, you never know. You know, or, you know, or, yeah, that's that's what I want for them to get as much from other people and myself as possible, you know. Yeah, I think that's a lovely idea. I think it's a lovely idea and it's an important one. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, brought this com- this part of the conversation up but it's like no 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 that's why we're here yeah it's... that's why we're here and what and it's what we're supposed to be talking about mm-hmm. it's, what what else is there important to talk about yeah it's but i find it very you know the fact that you do film that gives enjoyment to people you know and mm. you should look for enjoyment wherever you can in life you know it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a weird one. The enjoyment I find value. And I think the sometimes really the only real value is being able to share something mm-hmm. with someone. Is to be able to do something with other people. We're 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 social um, mm-hmm. creatures, and um, the only really real way to appreciate anything is almost always with someone else. Yeah. A good meal is only really any good if you're having it with someone else (laughs) and anything good that happens is only really good when you share it with someone else when even if that's just telling them about it and getting they can enjoy what you enjoyed with you and uh i honestly think that the the sharing of of uh of anything is what's important it's the only the only real reason we do anything Um, uh a a weird sort of uh I don't know if this is uh, if it's relevant or not, but um, while while researching for um, uh, for one of our recent horror movies, one of the things we were researching was um, uh, lonely jobs uh, mm. and things like that. And um, one of the ones we came up with was um, 
these uh, young uh, youngsters who um, who vlog uh, from the back of their vans. Uh, it's it's called like hashtag van life or something. And they, the kids, they just they they retro they outfit a van so they can sleep in it, and then they just drive all over the country. Yeah. And while they're driving all over the country, um, they vlog about it the whole time. That becomes their job, and their job is to vlog about life on the road on their own in isolated uh, places um and that's how they make their living um and you can see why we thought this would be a good idea for a horror movie mm. uh, a lot of the it's usually a young girl uh and usually what the the series of vlogs or episodes consist of is they'll drive somewhere incredibly remote then while in that incredibly remote place they'll video themselves walking about and talking and it's the and the the highlightable uh part the the thing that they like to talk about is how great it is to be out away from all the people and to be on their own in these beautiful places and the people are the problem and thank thank god they've managed to distance themselves from cities and from from all these people everywhere and how wonderful this this spring in Alaska is that they're in on their own and there's no one around them for, for 500 miles and all the rest of it. Mm. But the only real reason they're enjoying it is because they're videoing it and telling us about it. Yeah. The only real value in it is to show us a viewer how alone they are in this yeah. place. The only real value for them while they're doing it, while they're struggling with the idea of I'm a millennial and I can't buy a house and I've got no future with the job and the environment's falling apart and everything's dreadful. While they're struggling with all that and they've said to themselves, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna outfit a van, I'm just gonna drive and yeah. I'm gonna video myself doing it and I'll make money that way. And the only really important thing about that is that they share it with other people. Mm. Crazy, no. So yeah, so the idea of sharing these experiences in film, in yeah. podcasts, in music, in in art, um, in in vlogs about van life, um, that really seems to be the unifying thing that we all find the most important. Yeah, uh, to yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. <laughs> no, but it's. It is the sharing, like you say, we're social animals. It's, mm, yeah. You know. Now, listen, I think that's a really nice point to wrap up. That's all right with you. No, that's great. I'm sorry, sorry to have bored you to tears. Oh, don't be daft. Absolutely awesome. I absolutely loved it. It's so, <laughs> so interesting. Honestly, yeah, absolutely fascinating. It's, oh, uh, I could have spoken for hours. I really could have done. It's, uh, <laughs> great. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you very much for your time, Matt. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, man, no worries. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast and chat with Matt. I found uh, Matt to be an incredibly positive individual, and I certainly uh, believe he's a glass half full person. I took on board some life lessons there uh, from this talk with Matt, and I think the power of sport, whatever that sport is, is uh, very important, and to enjoy what you do. Life is certainly too short to make the most of it and do have a smile on your face. As always, I hope you enjoyed Previously Learned. Please like and subscribe, and any feedback is always welcome. So with that, go well, and thanks again for listening.